Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. Well, good morning, church. How are we doing? All right, that was weak, so let's try that again. Good morning, church. How are we doing? There we go. Listen, I know we have some people that are sitting at the beach right now, and we're going to just pray for the grace and conviction of God to come upon them. But um, I do want to welcome everyone who is watching online, um, wherever you're streaming from, but also a special shout out to Albany, uh, everyone that is in Albany watching online right now. We are actually not meeting in Albany because they're in the process of transitioning uh, to the new building. And so everyone that's watching online, um, let's just make some noise for them real quick. Uh, hey, we are kicking off a brand new series today um, called Freely Given, and outside of Church on the Lawn, we're going to be in this for the entire month, um, and I want to just encourage us to really lean into this and allow the Holy Spirit to just speak to your heart. Uh, I know in me studying through this, it, it has been one of these uh, sermon series, I guess you can kind of say, that for some of us, it's going to be a reminder uh, for some of us, it's going to be um, God dealing with our heart, uh, and then for some of us, it's going to be us responding in obedience, all right? Uh, King Louis XIV. Anyone know who King Louis XIV is? King, all right, so King Louis, Louis XIV, also known as Louis the Great, the Grand Monarch, or as he liked to be called, the Sun King. Louis XIV was um, the king of France for 72 years, and I think outside of almost Queen Elizabeth, he is the longest reigning monarch of time uh, through, throughout modern history that, that we know. Uh, and if you've ever been to France, I've never been to France, I would love to go to France, so if someone decides to bless me with the trip to France, just let me know, because uh, I would love to take my wife to go see uh, Paris and the Eiffel Tower. But everything that we know about French culture culture, uh, about fashion, about the elegance of it, about what it is that makes uh, the French culture so attractive came from Louis XIV. And, and Louis XIV was one of those guys uh, that he was persistent uh, in bringing um, the government together, bringing businesses together, unifying religion, and really transforming the culture of France. Um, so much so that he got into it with someone, uh, with, with someone in Parliament, and they were having this disagreement back and forth, and Louis XIV stood up and he said, I am the state, meaning I am France. He had such clout with the people, and he was known of like having high dollar things and, and very, um, we would call it bougie nowadays, right? Uh, but being very bougie in everything that he did. And then whenever, whenever uh, Louis XIV, whenever he died, he had literally all of these instructions for his funeral about how long his body would be on display, about the uh, type of casket that he would have, about who would be in the presence of him. And, and so while while he's 
he's um, you know, preparing for the end of his life, he kind of passes all this information in, and then in September, he ends up passing away. And so all of the king's men, they, they gather around and they start preparing for his funeral. And it was so fancy that his entire casket was literally just covered in gold. And, and whenever they brought his casket into the chapel, they designed the chapel to be in a way that, that the light that was coming in for the natural light would end up reflecting off of the casket, um, and then the casket would end up lighting the entire room up to be able to kind of bring his body to being the singular focus in this room. And then there was this one candle that was lit in the entire chapel. And so you could just imagine this casket sitting there in the middle and the, the sun coming in and this one candle that's sitting there and it's just illuminating the entire room. And what happens is Bishop Maslin, who was the preceding bishop at that time, he gets up there and he's, he's about to do his eulogy, his sermon, so to speak. And before he starts talking, he gets over there and he leans down to the candle and he goes, and he puts it out and the words out of his mouth is, only God is great. Now that I've got your attention, I want to dive into a sermon today titled, Only God is Great. Only God is Good. And I want to spend the entire month of August outside of Church on the Lawn talking about your finances. That's right. It got really quiet in here, and I knew that's exactly what was going to happen. And some of you guys that follow me on Instagram, you probably knew that this was coming because I was posting some stats and, and stuff this past week. But oftentimes in the church, we don't talk a ton about finances, right? Uh, or, or preachers are like, um, you know, the Sermon on the Mount's really good. We're just going to skip over this part right here, and you know, because we don't want to offend anyone. But Jesus talked a whole lot about money. The money and our finances and wealth is mentioned in the Bible um, like over 2,300 times. And so it was a big deal uh, to Jesus. It was a big deal to God. And, and here's the thing, and this is why we intentionally made sure to do offering before the message, is I'm not going after your pocketbook. I'm going after your heart today. Okay, and, and so and it's the same way Jesus never took up an offering, but he talked a ton about money because he cared about the condition of your soul and about my soul and the very things that was bothering the, uh, the, the Jewish people 2000 years ago is the very thing that many of us in this room still struggle with. And that is who is Lord of our life? Is it our pocketbook or is it King Jesus? Is it our pocketbook or is it King Jesus? Now, I don't want you to raise your hand, but um, I'm going to kind of propose this question. How many of us tithe? Don't raise your hand. How many of us tithe? Some of you, whenever I, I ask that question, you're like, yeah, I faithfully tithe. Like, give God my first and best. Give God my 10%. Um, and then some of us are like, oh, I, I'm not sure how I feel about tithing. We'll address that in a few weeks. Um, I, I'm not sure how I feel about this and, you know, the, the church. And, and, you know, it is my money, right? But here's the thing about tithing. Every person in this room tithes. You do. The question is not, are you tithing? The question is, to what or whom are you tithing to? To what or whom are you tithing to? 
And, and my hope is that through this series, we will look at the scripture, we will allow the Holy Spirit to speak and deal with our heart, and we will respond in obedience to where we bring God our first and our best. Now, I'm going to look at two passages of scriptures today, and both of them are coming out of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and and as, as I get there, if you got your scripture, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 12 is where we're going to start, and then we'll also be in Matthew chapter 6. Um, but uh, again, I want to go back to this. Jesus is after the heart of the matter. He's after the heart of the matter of getting our heart in line with his. And, and this is something that you see all throughout the New Testament and all throughout the Sermon on the Mount. Like Jesus was known for this, for saying things like, hey, um, you, you've heard it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but if you have hate in your heart, you're guilty of murder, right? And, and what does that do? It's like, oh, I, I've, you know, I've never take someone's eye. I'd never kill anyone. Yeah, but if you got hate, like, oh, snap, Jesus I hate my sister right now, you know, just like uh, she just drives me bonkers and nuts and stuff. Or, or um, you, you've, you know, you've heard it said, you know, um, love your enemies. But I say love your enemies and pray for them who persecute you, like taking it a step further. And this is what Jesus does all throughout the scripture. Um, do not commit adultery, right? But if you look at someone with a lustful eye, you're guilty of committing adultery, Jesus is going after the heart of the matter. And, and here's why. Um, either we surrender everything to Jesus or we surrender nothing to Jesus. We surrender, like we talked about this a few weeks ago, right? Because you're neither hot nor cold, you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's a bold statement that God said. And, and the reason that I want to hit on this is because in our society, especially in New York City, bling bling is an idol. Bottom line, it is an idol. And an idol is simply this, anything that you put in place of the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, many of us, we may not like actively think that we are doing this, but we probably do it more often than not. More often than not, where we are placing something, we are placing our finances and our trust in our finances over the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so, as we dive into this, I'm gonna look at Matthew, which is a Jewish perspective of the Sermon on the Mount, and I wanna look at Luke, which is a Gentile perspective of the Sermon on the Mount. So we're gonna pick up in Luke chapter 12, verses 32 through 34. Y'all ready? Three of y'all, excellent. All right. Fear not, little flock. I, I just want to pause there. I just love that. Like, fear not, little flock. Maybe your translation says little children, but fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moths destroy for where your treasure is there your heart will be also i love that right there because the first thing in this passage that jesus says is fear not Fear not. And in our day, in our society, we are crippled with this fear that has crept up in the American culture. Like, 
Let's look at the stock market. It's up, and then it's down, and then it's up, and then it's down, and then it's up, and then I was watching TikTok, and, and they were interviewing Elon Musk, and they are like, how is it like if the stock market changes just a few percent, you lose billions of dollars? Like, that's, that's, a, lot, that's a lot of money. Like, just give me a billion. I'll be blessed. Give me a million. You know, I'll be blessed. With, like, thank you. Thank you, Elon, you know, um, and Jesus, you know. Um, but, like, how, like, our retirement... Our security, uh, and we, listen, we have no idea what's about to happen. Are we in a recession? Are we not in the recession? Well, it depends on who you ask. They've changed the definition of recession, you know? And some of y'all got that. Um, and, and, it's, and, and it's like, I, I, I don't know. And, and then inflation? Like, come on, you know? Like, like I, Tacos El Bronco, they increased their price, folks. I went there with Carlos not too long ago, and, and Ruber's like, they raised their price. I'm like, oh, 50 cents, man. Like, that adds up over time, you know? And I'm just like, I get it. You got to, you know, prices going up everywhere, but um, they raised their price. And it was hard, hard. And then Ruber blessed us all with food. So shout out to Ruber uh, for that. But something that we have to learn is that, that fear is something that the enemy is wanting to put on us, this persona that he's wanting to give to us. And if I could just say this, for a, a person that is marked by the blood of Jesus Christ, fear is simply an illusion of what the enemy wants you to believe. It is an illusion uh, the enemy wants you to believe. And what Jesus is going after is the heart of the matter of who is it that you really trust. And in that, generosity, our generosity is an, an antidote to the financial anxiety that maybe we're experiencing. Meaning that if we can look at our finances and we can say, hey, uh, this is a gift from God uh, for me that, that, that I get to use and, and here's my response, like I want to be generous with this gift, then, then it allows us to push back against the fear. It allows us to push back against the anxiety and basically say, hey, this thing that the world is trying to use to control my emotions, to give me identity, to, to um, give me anxiety, I'm not going to allow it to have control over me because ultimately it's God's and because of that I'm going to release it the way that he deemed necessary. And, and so um, now another thing that I want to say just real quick before I move on and we'll jump to Matthew chapter 6 which I think is interesting and I'll, I'll get to that. But he says sell your possession, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. I love that, and I want you to just think about that for just a moment, because what Jesus is saying is, you can put your trust in stuff, and you can build a lot of wealth, and, and you can have fancy things, or you can put your trust in your investment in something eternal. And every time we give, we are investing into the kingdom of God, and it will have an eternal impact. 
and, and, and we may not necessarily see it, right? We may not necessarily be like, you, you know, I gave $100, and, and God, I'm just going to trust you. But you have no idea what God is going to use with that $100. I, I think about last year, whenever Bishop and Joyce, they, they went to Lebanon, right? And you guys gave thousands of dollars to Lebanon, and how Bishop was able to take that money, and they were able to invest it into pastors over in Lebanon, and, and, um, and tr you translated your books, correct? You're translating your books, or in the, he's translated two books into their language to where pastors are able to read their books. You have no idea, and I want you to kind of, I just want to kind of paint this picture. Um, every life that is impacted over there with the gospel of Jesus Christ somehow is building an eternal equity because of your sacrificial giving. And you may never know the impact that your money did. And that's what Jesus is saying. I want you to store up treasures for eternity's sake. I want you to invest into something that's going to outlive this world. I want you to invest into something that's going to actually make a difference and bring true, not just personal, but cultural transformation. Now, that being said, jump with me to Matthew chapter 6. And um, several, several weeks ago, Garvey ended up preaching, and he, he preached over Matthew chapter 6. And I feel like this passage of Scripture has come up so much uh, in the past probably four to six weeks. And I know in my life, this is something that I'm like, all right, God, I've got I've to walk this out, all right? I've got to walk this out. And I'm going to share about that in, in just a moment. But I'm going to go pretty quick. Is that cool? Yeah. yeah. Some of you are like, yes, I'm hungry. Like, please, you know. It's... I'm not judging you. Therefore, this is verse 25. Therefore, Jesus talking, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Like Jesus said, that's great. You're God. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not. I am man. You know, it's, it's a little hard for me. He continues. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, about what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into parts, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not more valuable? Are you not, I'm sorry, are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? How many of y'all, just show of hands, like we're in church, so let's be honest. How many of you guys have had trouble sleeping because of finances? I'll, I'll raise both hands and my foot, you know? Like, you know what anxiety does to us whenever we're worried about finances? It does exactly what Scripture says. It doesn't add a single hour to our life. It takes away. It takes away. I want you to think about the countless hours in our life that we sit there worried about stuff, worried about things, worried about life, right? And how the enemy uses that to steal and destroy the joy that God has given you through Christ. I'm pretty sure Jesus talks about the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and life abundantly. 
And, and whenever we buy into this illusion that anxiety brings upon us, we are partnering with the enemy and agreeing with the very thing that Jesus said he was going to do. And he will steal. Well, Michael, how's he stealing? He's stealing your time. He's stealing your time. He, he, he's going to kill? Well, well, how's he killing me? Like, he's killing you by killing you emotionally, killing your trust, and he's going to destroy do you know one of the biggest reasons that um, marriages end up falling apart is over financial stress, a breach of trust, like secret spending, secret habits over here that all revolve around money. Married couples, don't raise your hands, but how many of you have been to that point where you're fighting over your finances? Don't raise your hands, and don't look at your spouse either, like, just be like... Honey, he's talking to you. Like. So a few, few things that I want to hit on. Um, the first thing is this. Money gives us a sense of control. It gives us a sense of control. It makes us feel like we are in control. If I had enough money, then I wouldn't be worried about the recession. If I had enough money, then I can plan the future that I want. If I had enough money, then I would be secure in case the financial, financial market crashes right? Or, or how about this? If I have enough cash, I could buy the house that I want. And once I buy the house I want, then I'm going to be satisfied inside. If I have enough money, then I can buy the car that I want. How about this, parents? If I have enough money, I could send my kids to the school of their dreams, and they could be successful, and then I would be super mom or super dad. You know what all of that is? It's a complete illusion that you are God. And I hate to tell you this, but I'm happy to tell you this. You're not God. You're not God. But that moment that we think that we are in control, it is us taking the lordship of Jesus Christ and taking him off of his throne and us putting our broken, wicked selves up there being like, we've got it all together in a bag of potato chips. Man, I hate to tell you this. You're not God. Only he is good. Only he is great. And this is why Jesus deals with this issue. He's like, hey, I'm wanting to go after your heart with this. And in Jesus' response to like, hey, is money going to make you feel like you've got control? His response is this, no. No, if anything, more money, more problems. Can I get an amen to that? More money, more problems. And, and, and like with that, what God's response is, if you put your trust in me, I've got you. I've got you. But you have to put your trust in me by bringing our first and our best. By following the principles that are laid out throughout the scripture in worship. He, he continues on, verses 28 through 34. He says, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the fields, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And then he says this, and this is where it like, oh. Oh, you of little faith? Have you ever been rebuked by God? It's one of those like, hey, do you trust me? Yeah, I trust you. Do you really trust me? You know, having that conversation back and forth. 
And then God's like, hey, you of little faith. I've shared this, but I'm just feeling led to kind of share this. The, the first building transition that I experienced in Albany, I, I had to trust God for $10,000. It was like $10,000 we had to give down for this lease that we were trying to go into. It. I'd already signed the lease. And we didn't have the money. And I'm just like, God, I have no idea what we're going to do. Um, and then meanwhile, my wife and I, and we're, we're on vacation in Marco Island, Florida, which is God's, you know, holy place down there. I'm just throwing it out there. And, and so sitting down there and I'm stressing out and I'm worried. And what God said to me, if you cannot trust me with 10,000, you'll never be able to trust me with a million. So I was like, all right. <laughs> you know what he was saying? Oh, you have little faith. Oh, you have little faith. And so I trusted God. And next building project comes and guess how much it was? A million bucks. Like, okay, and so, like, this whole time, I'm like, I'm kind of freaking out a little bit, but God's got this because he, he told me this was going to happen years ago. Yeah. And, and so, O you of little faith, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Verse 33, the famous verse we all know, but seek, say it with me, church, first... Let's try that again. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So what is the antidote to being anxious? What is the antidote to worry? What is the antidote to the things that we face in our life? What is the antidote to us being up all night worried and stressed about finances? The antidote is that we seek First, the priorities of God and his righteousness and his presence by bringing him our first and our best. Now, I'm going to say something, and if you get offended, you take it up with the, the, the word of God, all right? Some of you are stressed about your finances, and you haven't learned how to give through generosity and give out of a place of your heart, and you're like, God, I'm freaking out about my finances. Why on earth is God going to bless something that you've been disobedient with? It's like, God, I'm freaking out. I just don't know what to do. Yeah, you do. You bring your first and your best. You put your faith and your trust in God. And when we do that out of a place of our heart being in the right posture, what it does is it is us saying to our finances, saying to our money that you are not Lord of my life. King Jesus is Lord of my life. And I'm going to elevate him and I'm going to praise him and I'm going to rejoice in him and I'm going to trust him, which means I'm going to bring my first and my best. How many of you guys remember the Wall Street movement? I'm sure some of you guys do about um, tax the rich, tax the 1%. Y'all, show hands. Let's, let's, like, come on, let's get those hands up, all right? The rest of y'all are lying. That's all right. <clears throat> How many of you think that you're in the 1%? No one wants to raise their hand right now, like, like I, I don't want people to tax me more, you know? Let's just all lift up our hands. Just one hand. Just lift it right up in the air. You ready? You're in the 1%. Congratulations. Well, Pastor Mike, no, I'm not. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Catch this. So I was doing some research. In New York City, the average employee in New York City, and some of you make more, some of you make less, but the average, this is 2022 data. You can Google this because everything's true on the internet. Um, the average employee in New York City make $69,197 per year. 
Now, for some of y'all, it, that's, that's like, man, I wish I made that. And then for some of y'all are like, oh, I've been making that for 20 years, you know? And, but that's the average employee in New York City. Taking that number right there, that puts the average employee in New York City in the top 1% of people that are making money, income earners in the world. In the world. Meaning if you're making $70,000 a year, you're in the top 1%. And this is something that we've got to realize. And whether it's more or less, it's all the same, okay? It's all from God. And it is all a gift from God to you to be a good steward over. But yet, what do we do? We, we, we stress about this stuff. Verse, verse 32 uh, um, for, well, let me jump up. Verse 31, don't be anxious saying, what should we eat? What should we drink? What should we wear? But the Gentiles seek after these things. What he was talking about right there is the pagans are seeking after these things. The, the pagans are anxious and they're going after and they're trying to get success and they're, they're out there and they're having compulsion buying and, and, and trying to um, have that bling bling, all right? Here's the thing that is crippling so many people in America, including those in the church. It is the perception of I've got it all together when really you have no control. Like you, you want to look like you got it all together. That's, that's why you go to Zara over Forever 21. All right, we need to go to Zara. I do like Zara, all right? But, and I'm a big fan of Primark too, budget shopping, all right? I was telling Christy the other day, because we're getting to Primark in Albany, I was like, Christy, we get to take Judah to Primark. I'm so excited. It's like God's portal of heaven is, anyways. But here's what I've learned about shopping, all right? Everything, and I said this a few weeks ago, everything that you own, everything that you own will either get thrown into a dump or be sold into a garage sale. Everything. I want you to think about that. My shoes, they're going to end up in a landfill one day, unless they recycle them. And then someone else is going to wear them, and one day it's going to end up in a landfill. My, my shirt, landfill. My car, landfill. Definitely not a garage sale, right? My house, there's a day that's going to come where I'm dead and my wife is dead, I hope my kids are not watching right now because I'm going to be like, Dad's dying. No, because I know they're home watching right now. Judah, I'm not going to die anytime soon. We're all good. Allie, I love you. All right, so I just realized that. Um, wow. But there's going to be a day where Mom and Dad pass away, all right, and um, the kids are going to be like, we don't want this house. And someone comes in, and they're like, this house is old. And what do they do? They bulldoze over the house to build a new house. And so what happened to my house? It's going to end up in a landfill. And so if, if this is the case, why don't we allow our finances to be lined up with our belief and our trust in Jesus Christ? Several years ago, 15 18, close to 20 years ago. Now, man, I'm getting old. I'm being serious. I'm closer to 40 than I am 30 right now, and I'm having a hard time with that, so y'all pray for me. 
Um, you don't have to feel sorry for me. Just pray for me, all right? And so, so amen. You know, 40 is the new 30. Hallelujah, all right? And so <laughs> I believe in that. Uh, anyways, I'm totally off track. But several years ago, I, uh, I fell off a cliff, right? And many of you guys know the story. I was in Mexico, and I fell off a cliff. And whenever I got to the hospital, I was on life support. But one of the things they did is they did um, an MRI or a CAT scan down in Mexico to figure out how much blood I had lost. Did I have internal bleeding? Um, what was all going on? And then they started patching me up. And then I got back to the States. And the very first thing, which I felt great, I was like all casted up and stuff. But they bring me to the hospital and they like pump me full of morphine. And I don't know why because I'm like, I'm really not in pain right now. They're like, you're in the ER. You know, gave me some morphine, and they're like, we need to bring them and get a CAT scan, and they're all freaking out, and um, so they did a CAT scan on my head to, to see if there was, like, like brain injury and stuff, and, and here's, here's I, I look at that, if you've ever been through that process, it's not very fun, but I look at that, and our finances, our checking account, our credit card statement is simply an MRI or a CAT scan of our finances, like, you, you take an x-ray, right? An x-ray is like, oh, I'm doing great financially, you know? An MRI is like, let's pull through your, your checking book and, and let's see where your priorities are. Let's see where you're giving your first and best. Let's see what it is that, that you're, you're sowing into. You see, so many people talk the talk, oh, I love Jesus and I trust him, but you do an MRI of their checkbook and it's going to be something totally different. And you're going to realize you have a sickness. And that sickness needs a surgeon. And that surgeon is named Jesus. And he's not trying to fix your finances. He's trying to fix your heart. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is. Notice how it doesn't say where your heart is, your treasure will follow. It says where your treasure is, there is your heart. Now, as I wrap up, there, there are two myths in this culture that we live in. One is, and you've probably heard me say this, the prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is I give so that I can get, all right? The prosperity gospel is I'm going to fast so that God will answer me the way that I want him to answer me. The, the prosperity gospel is I sow so that X, Y, and Z can happen. And I'm all about let's have faith for that stuff. But here's the issue with the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel puts you in front of God. It makes you doing religious deeds to try to get something from God instead of you worshiping God for who he is and allowing him to bless you out of his overflow. And then the second myth that's crept up in the church um, is the poverty gospel. I, I don't know where, and listen, I'm, I'm going to say this. I don't know where in the Bible it says that ministers of the gospel should be dirt poor. Got real quiet. Like, I'm just going to say it. Like, but there's something that's crept up. Like, I, I literally know pastors who, who can't survive month to month because their church will not take care of them. Okay. Meanwhile, they're sacrificing their time, their life, their energy, and their family for the sake of the gospel, right? But, but what the prosperity gospel is, it's me first. The poverty gospel is also me first. And, and hear me out with this. 
It's a false sense of humility, like I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to make myself so low. Look at me. I'm, you know, living on the streets for Jesus. I'm suffering for Christ. No, bro, you're just lazy. Go get a job. Like, go get a job. Like, but like, oh, I look at what I'm going. Like, like, no, just be more disciplined. Go get a job. The full gospel, the gospel according to this right here, is complete surrender to Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus says, no man can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And I believe the reason that he said money is because he understood that money for most people not just Americans, most people in humanity is the number one idol that we go after and we seek after and we pursue. But my challenge for you today is to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and allow there to be some form of surrender to where inside your heart you allow that surrender to take place to put Jesus, who is not just good, but is great, is Lord over everything. And then it's like the stock market crashes. How you doing? I'm okay. Well, how are you okay? I'm trusting Jesus. He's my provider. Or, or like your finances are getting tight and like, I don't know what to do. But you know what, God? I have been faithful and I have been diligent in, in bringing my first and my best and I'm going to trust you. And so, Lord, if, if we go bankrupt, it's on you, not on me. I'm just walking out in obedience. Can, can I, real talk, this past week, like, and Bishop can tell you, we had a long conversation a few weeks ago. And I'm like, I'm stressed. And he's like, well, let's, you know, pray. And Bishop does what he does best and encourages me. And I, you know, got done and he kind of gently rebuked me. And then I felt like a million dollars afterwards. And then I was like, we're going to take over the world in the name of Jesus. You know, it was, it was one of those conversations. But, but recently I have been just like, like an emotional roller coaster with this stuff. Like, I'm not getting up here saying I got it all together because I don't. I need a savior. And I need the Holy Spirit. And I need to trust Jesus. But this past week, I'm sitting there. I'm just like, God, I, I, I don't know what to do. You know, our mortgage is coming up. I got to pay the, the mortgage. And I got this that's happening. And I don't want to touch this over here. And I really don't want to go into like the rainy day fund, the emergency fund, all, the, all this stuff. And, and, um, and I was like, Lord, 15 years ago, I made a commitment that the moment I get paid, I'm going to tithe. And so I'm going to tithe and I'm gonna trust you. And I tithe, tithe the moment I got paid or the moment that it hit my checking account. And I said, God, this is yours. I'm bringing you back what is already yours as an act of obedience, as an act of worship, and I'm putting my heart in your hands. And then we got to the end of the week and I was like, Christy, how the heck did we get here? Like. Not only were we obedient the way God commands us to, but we paid all of our bills and somehow we got a lot more extra money and I, I, I just don't know how. And then Judah's like, well, let me buy Minecraft skin. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and Judah, if you're watching this, don't you dare charge anything on dad's Amex. We're gonna have a conversation, all right? But like, Man, money is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. And I want to experience the presence of God and the blessings of God 
but it requires me taking myself and my pocketbook off of the throne of my life and me getting to my knees and saying, God, only you are great. We are simply just a vessel. We are simply just a vessel that is here to be an instrument for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, I'm going to get into this in, in two weeks, and so I don't want to get too much into it, all right? But every now and then, I get these images in my head, and I've just been dumbfounded in, like, in a good way of, like, you just look up at the sky, and you see the hundreds of thousands of galaxies out there. And then we, we saw with the James Webb Telescope, right? producing these images and just absolutely stunning images. And our Savior created that. He created that. And he also created me. And what makes me so like, wow, is he created these things, but he wants to spend time with me. He wants to call me friend. He wants to call me son. And so, yeah, God, I'm going to trust you. And for many of us, we've made that commitment to trust Jesus, to put our faith in him. But for some of us, we haven't. And whether you're here in person or whether you are watching online today, I want to implore you, to not just do something out of compulsion, but to take this heart right here and allow the Holy Spirit to do a spiritual MRI on you and allow the surgeon, King Jesus, to come in and be complete Lord of your heart and of your soul and of your life and to surrender to him in all areas, including our finances. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.